In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and giver of life. Amen. Amen. Christmas is one of the two great festivals of the church, the other being Easter. In most nations where Christianity is the predominant religion, public holidays are accorded to these two festivals. Christmas, as we know, marks the birth of Jesus. Well, what's so special about that? Only two of the four Gospels refer directly to the event, and they, St. Matthews and Luke, recount quite different narratives. Is it just about getting him onto the stage of history? Hmm. Well, it's about a lot more than that. It's essentially about what theologians refer to as incarnation. That is, a person who embodies a deity in human form. It's not just a Christian belief. It's also a Hindu belief, a Maori belief, and other faiths too. But in Christianity, of course, <coughs> it refers to Jesus as being God with us, <coughs> God with us, God among us. So from that perspective, God humbled himself or herself to live the life of an ordinary human being like you and me. He or she stepped down, as it were. As such, all humanity was blessed. Well, that is pretty special. But what do we mean by it? What do we mean by God? And what do we mean by humanity being blessed? Let's start with God. Well, it's almost impossible to define God. In a sense, it's beyond what the human brain can conceive. We try with words and phrases like creator, the first cause, the essence of life, the positive energy of the universe, or simply light and love. In one of the letters of St. John, it says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. In the same letter, he says, God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. So you can see that even he was struggling to define God. So he used the metaphors, pretty good ones, like light and love. What he didn't do was say God was up there. There is no sense of an old, an old looking fellow with a long white beard sitting on a cloud and looking down on the world. That is so often what people think Christians believe. Most Christians have a much more sophisticated view of God than that. I'm going to refer to God as love. And by love I mean the most positive energy of the universe. That which enhances the sacredness of life and enables cooperation generosity, and care in all relationships, including our relationship with the environment. So if God is love, what does it mean that God became human? Well, again, I'm sorry, but it's a bit beyond definition. The process of God becoming a human is beyond definition, but some of the effects can be explained. So let me try. Something different happened when he was around. His birth was appointed to what was to come. 
It was a very humble birth in a cattle shed because there was no room in the town for his whanau. He was laid on straw in a manger, which was the cattle's feeding trough. Mystical things happened, like prophecies of great acts that he would accomplish, and visits to pay homage by people moved to find him, like the shepherds and the wise people. But the key thing was that in his ministry, he took faith to a different place. In saying this, I want to explain this is a Christian view. It's not the Jewish view, although some aspects overlap. I do not want to disrespect the range of Jewish views that see this differently. They have every right to their beliefs, as does Islam, who also view these things differently. So speaking from a Christian perspective, he took faith to a different place. He said, for example, all the law and all the prophets were summarized in two commandments, to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. This was all religion as he knew it. The law referred to the Torah or the books of Moses and the prophets to the rest. This summary of loving God and loving your neighbor was typical of the way he deconstructed the body of rules and regulations the authorities had put in place and controlled people with. He went to the essence. He decomplicated religion and made it accessible to ordinary people. It is basically about loving God and loving every person in your orbit. You don't necessarily have to like what they do, but you do have to treat them as you would want them to treat you. It's a tough ask, but it is profound. He also used hyperbole or exaggeration to help people understand the essence of faith. For example, he referred to the law of Moses, which said that you had the right to pay back any injury carried out on you or your family, but only to the extent of what was done to you. No more was allowed. You could take an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but no more. He then went on to say, but I say to you, if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. Now, I don't think he literally meant that in every circumstance, uh, for this to happen in every circumstance, or else a person could be simply treated like a punching bag. <laughs> but what he was trying to do was introduce people to a higher level of morality. He meant that it is often best not to pay people back for wrongs they have done to you. Let it go, unless it's really important. And if it is important, get your ego out of it and help the person understand in peaceful ways. He was bringing in a new age, a new way of looking at things. That's what's important. Actually, this new way was prophesied. Jeremiah and Ezekiel, the great prophets of the Old Testament, said a day was coming when, and I quote, I, referring to God, will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This referred to a step change in spirituality. Instead of relying primarily on an external law like the Ten Commandments and literally hundreds of other laws, God, this force, this energy, this love itself, would dwell 
within us. The Spirit, or the Holy Spirit as we usually call it, could cooperate with our human spirit and guide us to live well with each other and God. It sort of aligns us with the positive energy of the universe. That is why Jesus was so often in conflict with the religious elite. They controlled people by defining external rules they said needed to be obeyed to live a good life and to please God. And they outcasted those who disagreed. But if God is within you, then your life responds to an internal prompting that says, what is the most loving thing to do in this situation? Rather than measure the amount of required generosity demanded by an external law. <clears throat> so Jesus said, if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go the second mile as well. Again, this wasn't literal for every situation. It was about a spirit of generosity, a new way to live by working out the most loving thing to do in each situation. Jesus, in a sense, introduced us to the spirit. He spoke about it a lot, and in doing so, took spirituality and love to a new place. People looked back after his death and resurrection and recognized that his life was like a letter from God, showing a new and more liberated way. In time, like about two or three centuries later, the church saw that he was actually one with God and the Holy Spirit. He had become incarnate in his life on earth. God with us. God among us. Emmanuel. This is what makes Christmas so special. God humbled himself to live the life of an ordinary human being like you and me. He stepped down, as it were. As such, all humanity was blessed. He brought a step change or evolution in spirituality and moved that moved from primarily a rules-based system to a radical, internally motivated, loving way of life. In the Christian story, he becomes a part of us. He is in a strange way within us and promoting, helping us live openly, generously and, loving, and lovingly for the good of all. We don't always respond well, but he is always there to help us do better. And so our pilgrimage in faith is learning to cooperate with the Holy Spirit within us. Hopefully we get better at that as we get older. This is the mystery we celebrate at Christmas. It's what we call incarnation. God came among us. He began with that extraordinary birth and was followed, which was followed by an exemplary life of selfless love and hope. We are all part of the story because we're created in the image of God. And just as he came to the people in Bethlehem, in Galilee, in Jerusalem and beyond 2,000 years ago. He comes to us today to enrich our quality of life, our ability to love and our experience of God.